0: Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. My name is Doug, and I'm part of the preaching team here, for those of you that that don't know who I am. And I am honored to be here on July 4th weekend where we have somewhere in the neighborhood of one billion visitors, I think, to the beach this weekend. Maybe I'm rounding up a little bit, but from my drive in on Friday when I was coming back into town, I, somewhere, somewhere in, that, in that ballpark, I think. But um, just a quick show of hands. Who's here? They're either on vacation or you're here visiting your family and you came in. Anybody here? All right. Well, welcome. We welcome you here. Thank you for spending your time here with us this morning. Um, we're glad you could be here. Um, well, we're going to share some things. We're going to share a way just to improve. We just really want to improve your vacation, make it better. Did you tape this down? I just want to give a shout out because uh, Lauren, Lauren Ritty, if, we, if, uh, if it was up to the rest of us, we would not have such a wonderfully wonderfully staged stage, but Lauren Riddy just wanted to make everybody's vacation invitation that much better, and so everybody is getting a free beach ball. How about that? No, actually, no. No, I'm kidding. We wouldn't let her go that far. Otherwise, I'd be having you reach under your chair right now to grab your free beach ball. You get a beach ball. You get... No, no, but seriously, I want to thank Lauren. She was definitely the driving force, behind us uh, coming together and really livening things up around here. Um, and it is, I mean, we're in July, right? This is the height of summer. We're, you know, obviously with everybody's here, this is, this is the biggest weekend on the Grand Strand. Um, and when you're in the height of summer, this is time to have fun, right? We're going to take a break from the daily grind, which is often really intense. And I'm a parent of three. I totally get it. I feel it, right? Most of us have this to do list for a mile long for each day and each week. I mean, it's like we need to call the insurance company concerning that ER visit that we went to, that we had to take the kids to, and I'm not even sure what this thing is that the insurance is saying they're not going to pay for and they're not going to cover. And then Amy's got ballet on Monday and Wednesday night for two hours, and Bobby's got baseball on Tuesday Thursday. He has to be there at 5.30. I don't leave the office till 5, and it's up to me to get him there. But I guess that's good because at least I pray that day that I won't get a ticket on the way to get him to the ball game. The HOA is having a mandatory meeting because they need to raise fees, $30 a month because they failed to take into account that we've got to fix sidewalks. And so now we're going to have to pay for the sidewalks for the next five years at $30 a month. And now we've got a special meeting at work tomorrow, which is the deadline for my next big project. And I was planning on tying up those loose ends tomorrow, but now I have this meeting. And besides that, the baby is sick, so mom and dad don't sleep this week because when the baby's sick, mom and dad don't sleep. And the kids are out of school right now because it's summer, right? And that means that they constantly feel all day long like they need to be fed, which is both annoying and expensive for parents. And the lawn, oh, my gosh, it's rained for a week and a half. My lawn is this deep, and I still can't get to it. And on top of that, half of it's dying, and it's turned to dirt. And then my neighbors that live across the street who are a retired couple, and their lawn is absolutely immaculate. When I walk out my front door, they look at me like a lost cause. But what they don't realize is that walk from the front door to the car is the only time I have to myself the entire day where somebody doesn't need something from me. Because as soon as I hit the car, it's texts and phone calls all the way to work. And on top of that, Pastor Tim and Jesus want me to read through the Bible in a year. Have they lost their mind? I mean, sure, Jesus can do it, but that doesn't mean I can do it, right? Oh, my gosh. Did I mention it's summer? Traffic. I mean, traffic is everywhere. We live in Myrtle Beach. Traffic is everywhere. Summer is the worst. But there's some days, right? There's some good days. I mean, some days I wake up and I'm ready to grab the bull by the horns. I got this. I got this. I mean, at least, you know, I started out that way. I feel that way. You know, you just, those days where you're just, you're just pumped. You're ready to seize the day. You're ready to rock. You're kind of like this guitar player in to the right of your screen up here. I mean, I mean, at least it started off good, right? I don't know. Somewhere along the way, the day just gets away from you. (laughs) But most of you, you don't have any clue what I'm talking about, do you? You don't have these things in your life, right? Everybody else's life is way smoother than mine. I can tell because I look on Facebook and everybody else is happy, except for me. (laughs) But here's the good news, is Jesus has a vacation invitation for you and for me. The things that he wants you to do are things that are going to fill your tank and not take from your tank. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 11, he has this discipleship call. Is really what it is. He's calling people to him. This is our foundation scripture for the day. But he makes a very interesting statement in there that we're going to break down and take a look at. So let's read that, and then we'll pray, and we'll jump into it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, I thank you for each individual here that they take the time to come to meet with you, to and. Assemble, assemble with other believers and be here in this place to seek your heart. And we thank you for your word. Bless the reading of your word. Open our hearts to receive from you, Holy Spirit, and to hear the words that you're speaking to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So many of you have probably heard a little bit of my story when uh, we moved into a brand new house. And within two weeks, we found out Sarah was pregnant and she began to get sick. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know, she had hyperemesis, which is basically uh, morning sickness all day long. And that's how it started. And from there, we went, we had dehydration, ER visits, uh, her burn, burned esophagus, gallbladder removed eventually. And it was just a, a chaotic. The entire pregnancy was just chaotic. Well, in the midst of that, me trying to help her also had two girls that I had to take care of, one in kindergarten and one in uh, preschool. And so here I was. We moved into this new house. Poor Sarah can't hardly – she can't get out of bed. She's just throwing up all day long. And, and I'm stuck to take care of those two little girls, get them fed, get them to school, get them to dance, do all of those things. Fortunately, my mother had moved in with us at the time. And I t- I'm telling you right now, if I had not if – if that had not been the case – I wouldn't be standing here right now because I'd still be trying to pull myself off of the floor. It was absolutely chaotic time in my life. And, um, and my poor mother, she lived by herself for like 18 years, like by herself, by herself, in peace and quiet. <laughs> she moves in with us and boom! Boom! Back to motherhood. She's part-time mom again because she's the one driving them to dance because i got to work sometime in the middle of, of doing everything else, and she's picking them up from school, and she's helping feed them and all that stuff. Somehow Sarah manages to, like she pulls off getting the finances done in between leaning over a bucket or the toilet or whatever. But I was left to do a lot of the other things. We have a ministry. It's called Shiloh Place Ministries. And in, in that ministry, we both worked. And all of a sudden, her part of the job, which is she does, we call it resources, but it's products. We make CDs, DVDs, and people order them online, and and we ship stuff. And so she was taking care of that part of things, and I took care of my part. Suddenly, I'm taking care of everything. And every day is just a multitasking nightmare. And if you've done any recent uh, reading lately, you know that multitasking is a myth. It doesn't happen. You just give less attention to everything you're doing. There's no such thing as multitasking. And so I'm in there every day, and every... Every test I've ever taken, personality test or anything like that, will tell you that I'm not a detail person. So here I am, and taking care of details, her part of the job in particular, details, make sure everything's right when you ship an order out, when everything's made. And here I am, and I am crashing under the pressure. I'm crashing under the pressure of all this. And I knew that things needed to stop. Because all the plates were about to fall. I knew that things needed to stop. So over the next few weeks, we are going to take a look at the different parts of, that, of our verse. And we're going to break it down. And we're going to show you how refreshing it is to take on the yoke of Jesus. I mean, that sounds backwards, right? To say I'm going to take something on. But it, we kind of live in an upside-down kingdom, right? Jesus said, the last shall be first. He's a king and he comes as a suffering servant. We give in order to receive. So to take on the yoke of Jesus is a relief. We can trade it for our own that we carry every day. So in an invitation, every invitation has the essentials, right? Where, when, what, how, who, all of that kind of stuff that you expect to find when you open an invitation. Most of you men probably have no idea what's on an invitation because your wife just tells you where you need to be and when you need to be there. So you have no clue <laughs> what's on an invitation. Um, so I asked my wife what's on an invitation, and she told me. Um, so, <laughs> so let's take a look. In verse 28 here, can we just get that, that that scripture back up for one second? Yeah. So come to me, all you, all you who are labor and heavy laden. So... Right here, we have an invitation. Come. He's invited us to come. Where is he inviting us to come? And this is our first fill-in. Where is it that we're to go? We're to go be with Jesus. He's inviting us to come. Be with him. And if we look at the background of the scripture, this is when you look in your Bible, these letters are in red. This is Jesus saying it. Let's, let's, Let's take a look at who he's talking to. Give us a better understanding of what exactly he's saying. See, the, the people of Israel, <clears throat> they had been burdened down with following the law. And the law started off as part of Israel's covenant with God. I mean, there was excellent things about the law, and it, it, it fostered the relationship and kept the connection with them. A lot of people will say how barbaric and, and whatnot the law was, but it actually moved in that time period, when it came into it, it moved things forward. It gave protection for women that women never had before. The law was a good thing when it began. It's kind of like regulation. That's almost like a dirty word today. People talk regulations. There's regulations on business. We did get rid of regulations. But when regulations kind of got started, think about it. Child labor laws, form of regulation. 40-hour work week, form of regulation. Minimum wage, form of regulations. So probably most of this started with good intent, but I heard a statistic the other day that there's over a trillion regulations on the books in America. And some people will tell you, small business people, they'll say it's become a burden to doing business. And I'm not making any political statements with that. But this happened with the law. The law of Moses ceased serving the relationship ceased to serve the covenant relationship with God and the people as it was intended to do, and it became something to be served. It became a burden. It became a yoke. And for those of you that didn't grow up in Horry County, a yoke (laughs) is something (laughs) that goes on farm animals when they pull a plow. It goes over their necks, and like you might have two oxen, and the yoke goes over and holds them together, and they pull a plow. So this thing became a yoke. Like The Sabbath was created for man, but eventually there became such a list of do's and don'ts for the Sabbath, what you could do and couldn't do, that it became about serving the list of things not to do rather than a true Sabbath. And that's what the people that Jesus was speaking to were living under. So let's take a closer look at this uh, come-to-me statement. It's a really simple statement. But there's more there that meets the eye. So everybody, get your Greek scholar caps on, and we're, we're going to jump into to a little bit of this. Uh, first, the word come. That word is du uh, yete. And it's an exhortation or an incitement. It's got that, a force of an imperative, a strong appeal. So it's not just, hey, come. It's come now, come, come come. It's like, it's like when you're chasing little Johnny in the store and he runs away and you're trying to shop in the store and he runs away. Come, 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 now, now, come. That kind of thing. <laughs> We've been there. There's some parents in the crowd. Two, now two, that's a very simple word, but that, that is a preposition and it's pros. It's spelled like pros, but it's pros. And that preposition expresses close proximity and intimate fellowship. It's used to describe the relationship between a father and son. So it's a call to intimacy. Come close. It says to me, but come close to me. And me is just the the personal pronoun. But if we think about the fact that the Pharisees were inviting these people to follow a list of rules, And Jesus is inviting people to be part of a relationship. That's the difference. Jesus was calling people to a relationship. And you know, if you're parents, you've experienced when you're connected with your kids, it's much easier to enforce something than when you're disconnected from them. And they want to rebel and move away. Right? There's a statement, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And I've heard like James Stops and Josh McDowell, a bunch of people say it, so I don't know where it originated. <clears throat> but so that's what you had. You had the system of law, which is just rules with no relationship. And people were ready to rebel. They were tired of the yoke. So when we look at the invitation, we say, So, so who is this party for? Who who is invited to this party? And if you read on it, it says, All you who are labor and are heavy laden, or who are weary and burdened depending on the translation. So that's our next fill in. Who's invited? All who labor and are heavy laden. And so I, I qualify. Most of us labor. I, I qualify. I just came off of two weeks on the road. I started off with a four, four day trip to ch- Charlotte that had to do with ministry. And then I went to West Virginia with my dad to see his sister that he hadn't seen in forever. Then we drove back from West Virginia and I left the next morning to drive my brother-in-law's van to California for him because they just moved there and he didn't have any way to get his minivan there. So I, in a labor of love, drove his minivan to California. I flew back from California. Thank you, Lord, for airplanes. And... (laughs) And I go over to Greensboro. We fly into Raleigh. I go over to Greensboro to help some friends of mine that are moving into town to load their stuff into a, a moving truck and put it in storage temporarily. And then I went back over to Raleigh where my wife was with the kids, visiting some friends. And then I came back on Friday. And I, I'm honest, I'm just feeling a little weary from all of that. I mean, we had the kids with us on the ministry trip in a hotel room, being all, gone all day. So you don't sleep much there. But here's the thing. Like, who's going who's gonna to help me with that? I've got a list of things to do. I've got work that needs to be done. Like, sure, people are going to help me. I've got a couple of people that are going to come help me and put hands to things and do them. But that list, those things are all still flooding in and weighing on me. And I've learned from experience that the only way that I'm going to get help in that is Jesus. I'm going to come to him in solitude, and he's going to help me find a place of rest. I just need to practice setting my pride aside and taking the time. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on him. Some virgins say cares instead of anxieties, if you prefer that word. I mean, most of us don't like to admit that things cause anxiety, right? You don't like to go there, especially especially guys, right? You, we don't have anxieties. We have concerns. We're concerned about things, right? Well, sometimes we're concerned about things to the point that it just piles on and we become heavy laden. So heavy laden, in fact, that we explode on people that we love and care about with all of the concerns. Sometimes, even worse, you might end up in the ER. Ulcers, high blood pressure, heart issues, because we're heavy laden with concerns. So if we jump back to our Greek, heavy laden, is it's a It means to place a burden upon, to load, as when placing a load upon the back of an ox, like the yoke we talked about. But then it, became, it came to mean oppressed by legal burdens, heavy laden. And yoke, actually, the same thing. It went from being something that an ox wears to being known as what you carry as a legal burden, a, a list of things that you need to do. So, we need to come to him with our burdens, and we're invited with all of that. We're invited with everything we bring to come to him. So, okay, so exactly what is it that he's inviting us to? So, he's inviting all of us to labor. We're invited to come to Jesus, but for what? And this is our third filling it's rest. We're invited to come to him to experience rest. Rest in the Greek is anapuao. Anapuao. That's as close as I can get. It's not exact, but it's as close as I can do from Maury County. (laughs) And it means to refresh and rest up, but also to cease from labor. Uh, But... So, like, how could Christ give rest? Like, we can't, he you know, cause us to cease from laboring physically, right? And so, in some ways, this seems like no solution at all. I mean, we're taking a yoke as a yoke. But in the passage, he's, he's addressing the people of Israel who are burdened and weighed down with externals. Legal to-dos of the Pharisees, all the consequences, the guilt, the frustration, the dissatisfaction, that comes along with legalism, with falling short, with expectation, with performance. All of that that comes with our list of to-dos that we seem to never be able to accomplish and knock off. At least do it very well. See, if we go to this next phrase, we'll understand better what this rest is about. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So He's calling us into this experience, into this relationship with him, which is actually a discipling relationship. And one of the things that we learn is to have rest for our souls. So John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy to give us ulcers and high blood pressure and lists of things to do. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life and have it abundantly. See so the, the, the interesting part about that is it just doesn't it doesn't just say eternal life. You know, I came I came you, here's your here's your pass to heaven. It doesn't just say that. It says I came to give you abundant life. That means now, And so what does that word mean to you? When we say life, it, it, it incites a sense of, oh, I'm alive. And that's what we're going for. That's what he's bringing us. See, Jesus is greater than your burden, no matter where that burden comes from. In Matthew 12, 6, which is right after this passage that we're studying, he says, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. He's telling everybody that something greater than the temple is here. He's arrived. And see, for these people, the temple was a representation of their burden. That was a representation of all the the do's and don'ts and the things that they needed to do. But he's greater than my burden. See, I, I got to the point during our time of turmoil with Sarah's pregnancy that I needed to stop. And I remembered a scripture and I have repeated over and over again. Be still and know that he is God. See, we've been praying. We've been doing the God things, praying over Sarah, laying hands on Sarah, uh, praying for her to get better, praying for things to get better with the baby. But we weren't, we weren't seeing things happen. And in the end, we have what we believe are a couple of miracles. Um, I mean, after all, we almost lost him s- several times, three, four, five times, something like that. So just the fact that he was born was a miracle for us. Uh, The fact that he was born not addicted to narcotics, which was a high concern of the doctor, and they checked him out almost immediately to make sure and he was not addicted to narcotics. We consider those miracles, but in the middle of it, in the middle of it, we couldn't see any of that. All we could see was Sarah was still in pain and hurting, and our life was chaotic see, I'd heard of these practices. I'd heard of people talk about mindfulness and meditation. But I'd heard of the practices of monks, of silence and contemplation. And that scripture kept ringing inside of me. Be still and know. Be still and know. And I needed to know because, honestly, I was like, where are you? I needed to know. And so I found this recording of a monk walking some people through a time of silence. And I was like, I mean, the irony was not lost on me. I was like, you got to know how to be silent. You got to have somebody walk you through being silent. But I absolutely did. There was no silence for me. The noise of everything that had to be done and everything that was going on was not stopping. And many of you know, you lay your head on the pillow at night and all you can think about is everything that's got to be done the next day or everything that went wrong, all day. And sometimes we need to be walked into that place and helped to learn how to be silent before God. So I did it. I started listening to him walk through this time of, of silence, and and he would have us say things on our on breath. He said, one of the things I like to do is to say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Just silently, just a a conversation with god like like you have with your with your children i love you no i love you i love you i love you just that back and forth i love you talking to the lord and it helped me it helped me a great deal and eventually i found some other things that were simpler and and smaller and and shorter but one of the things that happened out of that was I I had been taking time to spend time with my girls at night because I knew they needed it because their mom was in such turmoil and they needed me to be there. So I would go in, I would read with them, and I would do all this stuff, and I would put them to bed. And then suddenly it hit me when I started doing this that, whoa, I'm doing this, but I'm not really present. I'm doing this for them, but I will never have this moment again in my life. When that baby comes, this is going to be different. I won't have these times with my daughters ever again. And I began to stop and be focused and be present with them right there in that moment. And we'd read books, we'd read a little Bible passage, and then I would pray for them and go to bed. And I still remember them and they still remember them. This is more than three years ago now. I mean, we still kind of do that, but they remember that time when mommy was in bed and, and, and we did that. So this practiced silence is to help us gain a little bit of focus, but it caused me not to allow a very important time in my life to slip by, which is really every day for all of us, right? Our people, our friends, our loved ones, especially right now. What about vacation? Can we stop while we're on vacation to be with those that we love, we care about? Jesus can help us get there. I got a couple of verses I want to read. I'm going to read that same verse, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, in the Message Bible. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. John 15:5 says, "I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. When we abide Stop with him. James four eight says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. In John five nineteen, Jesus gave them this answer Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself, he can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does when we join into that connection and that place, then we begin to do those things that we see our Father doing. And we do them with with grace and rest and lightly. And so I'm going to ask you to do something here in a second. And even though I'm asking you to do something, uh, this is something that will, in fact, lighten the rest of the load for you. This is something that's going to help you reconnect with God and with others. Relationship is the end goal of this doing. Not to complete a task. Relationship is the end goal of this. See, it's the answer to your question, you know, what is the one thing you can do today that's going to help all of your other goals easier, and maybe even make some not necessary? So when I hear um, strategic planners and goals, goals, people ask that question. What's the one goal that you can accomplish that will make all the other ones fall into place? This is the one thing we can do that's going to help everything else come into place. And in your um, uh, worship packet, I have a, I have a prayer printed on there. Now, <clears throat> this I want you to take that one with you. But I found one that was even simpler that I'd for, kind of forgotten about when I was printing that up. That, that one I actually got from Ed Piork. Uh, um ex-vineyard pastor who's friends, he's preached here, he's friends with Tim. Um, and it's a wonderful, just three lines. Usually, I re- if, if I'm doing that to myself, I will repeat, repeat each of those lines three times. And by the time I take time, take time to do it, nice even cadence. And so by the time I've done that, I've gotten my place into, okay, all right, God, I can sit here with you for a second. And then I might even continue doing it, like, just under my breath. But I have one. There's a guy, uh, author, Brendan Manning, he was a Catholic priest who wrote a book called Rag Muffin Gospel, he wrote several books, but that's the most popular one. And he had a very simple one. And it said, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. And so the word Abba, simply me, is a simple affectionate term for daddy. I mean it's daddy for that's what they, so we're calling God daddy. Abba, I belong to you. So now here's what I want us to do. I want us to find a way to sit easily with our feet on the ground, hands in our lap. This just kind of helps from fidgeting, you find yourself in the middle of it and then you're like, oh, I got my leg, I need to this so this kind of this is a position that most people can do really well. You can kind of fold your hands. The, that one monk that I listen to is like, you can fold your hands like you're praying or whatever, but just have them in your lap, your feet on the floor. And this also as well, in, in, it's, it's a posture. It's a, it's a respectful posture. You know, it's not, it's not the sprawl, you know, the, the man sprawl. Hey, God, I'm here. You know, it's, it's a respectful posture to come to God with. And so what I want to do is we're going to repeat, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. I'm going to have you join in with me in a second. And we're going to do that three, four times. And then I have my timer set up on my phone. And then I'm going to let that timer run for 60 seconds. And in that time, what I want you to do is just on your breath silently, just as you inhale, Abba. As you exhale, I belong to you. Now, don't, you know, don't get over-focused and (laughs) hyperventilate. Just easily. I belong to you. So, all right. So, let's say say it together. Um, Let's do it four times. And then I'll push start, and we'll just do it silently. You ready? Abba. I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Abba. Spirit, come rest upon us. Father, find this in your love, in this moment, in this space. Want to ask while we're right here is there anybody that says, My life is chaotic and I would really like some silence? Just raise your hand, if things are difficult. I would really like some silence. I'm going to pray for you. But we're going to have prayer team come up front. And when I release you, I would really like for you to come and receive prayer for some people on our prayer team. If you have any other requests, please come and receive prayer. And the one other thing I want to ask, is there anybody out there that says, I've never connected with Jesus before in my life. I wasn't even sure what to do in that place of silence. I've never committed myself to him. I've never entered into being a disciple of Jesus. Just raise your hand. If there's anybody that fits that category, please come meet with these prayer ministers. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, find us in your love. Amen. And bring us joy. Bring us joy on this holiday weekend. I bless everyone here that's going to be with family, that's going to be with friends, that's going to celebrate. I bless them in those relationships to have fun. And we pray that no peers burn down on Tuesday evening. (laughs) Go enjoy and enjoy time. Enjoy people. Enjoy Jesus. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.